Good morning, everyone. Come on in, come on in. We still got a few people filing in. We're going to go ahead and get our services started this morning. Uh, If you would, rise and sing with us. Uh, We've got a real energetic song for you this morning, so hopefully give you some energy. This is from the day. seeing everybody this morning and I do pray that if you've truly put your faith in Christ then your heart should sing your soul should sing we should be having an incredible time because every day regardless of what the world may say I know that I know that I know where eternity is going to be spent amen yeah. 
Hallelujah. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I pray that you will get that, that decision made before it's too late and that you will leave out of here not just saying you went to church, not saying you heard a great band lead us in worship. You came to church and met the one who loved and cares for you the most. His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, I do come before you and I thank you for this opportunity we've had to, to, to come in your house this morning to gather together in your place. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that your will shall be done. Father, we give you all praise, all honor, and all glory. And may you, just, may you be able to look down from heaven right now and just say, those are my children down there in Sutherland Springs worshiping me. Father, may you put a smile on your face and may you pour out your anointing upon us. May you open the windows of heaven and just pour out upon us so that each one of us individually will hear what we need to hear, whether it be in song, a handshake, the word, whatever it may be. But may we not leave this place and not say that we had an experience with the one who cares the most. Father, may your will be done. And again, Lord, if there is somebody here, maybe they've been in church for years, but they've never surrendered their heart truly and totally to you, may this be the day. As we heard in Sunday school this morning when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Our God whom we serve, Father, I pray that we can say the same today, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. Walk around just a second, shake somebody's hand and let them know it's good to see them in God's house today. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shining afar through shadows dim, giving the light to those who long have gone, guiding the wise men on their way unto the place where Jesus lay. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. The beautiful star, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine upon us till the glory dawn. Give us the lamp to light the way. To the land of perfect day, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. Beautiful star, the hope of light, guiding the pilgrims through the night. Over the mountains till the break of dawn Into the light of perfect day It will give out a lovely ray Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on Oh, beautiful star of Bethlehem Shine upon us till the glory dawn Give us a lamp to light the way Unto the land of perfect day Beautiful star of Bethlehem Beautiful star, the hope of rest For the redeemed, the good and blessed Yonder in glory when the crown is won 
Jesus is now that star divine. Brighter and brighter he will shine. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. Oh, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine upon us till the glory dawn. Give us a land to light the way unto the land of perfect day. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. Come on and join us. Oh, beautiful star of Bethlehem, as you take your seats until the glory dawns. Give us a lamp to light the way unto the land of perfect day. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. Oh, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. Okay, you can be seated this morning. We got a few few uh, uh, announcements here to make sure to touch on. This evening, this evening, I want to invite everybody back out this evening. We have our Ezekiel class normally on Sunday night. That's what we're in studying right now. However, tonight's a special night. The Steel Magnolias are going to be here singing for us tonight, putting a concert. It's a free concert, and everyone's welcome to come and attend this concert this evening. So it's at 6 o'clock tonight. Come on back. Just bring a, a smile and be ready to sing there. If you've never seen the Steel Magnolias play, uh, sing before, they are, they are excited. They're going to have you laughing. They're going to have you singing. But most of all, they're going to have you praising the Lord. Amen? So I want to encourage you to come back out this evening, 6 o'clock, in here. Not Fellowship Hall. We'll be in here. And the Steel Magnolias will be singing for us this evening. Also, too, our toy run is coming up very soon. If you didn't know that, that we did that every year, the motorcyclists get together. We have a, a large group of motorcyclists that come, and we take and we deliver the toys to the less fortunate families that we have on our list. The toys that we deliver are toys that you guys have donated. So we're, we're, we're kind of behind and need to get those toys donated. If God has laid it on your heart to go and get some simple toys to, to bring and put under the tree over here, then we will go through them. It's for 12-year-old and under. We ask you not to wrap them so we can see if it's boy or girl. So as we go through our list, we can separate what we have to be able to take something to these families to, for these kids. And two, you're welcome to come with. Now, it's not just motorcyclists. There are a lot of motorcyclists that, that I mean, it's a motorcycle event, but we, we allow those in cages to come as well. So if, if you want to come and, and be a part just to see the looks on their faces, and sometimes these kids may not get anything other than what we are going to bring to them. And it's pretty impressive and encouraging to watch their faces light up. I still share, what was it, Rod, about four years ago, that fishing pole? Uh, I, I gave a young man a fishing pole, and I'm thinking, this is a really neat fishing pole. And I give it to the young man, and he, he's real skittish, and he kind of just reaches out and takes it, and he just... Well, then when I pulled out the football, he about tackled me. You know, he didn't care much about that fishing pole like I did. But when he saw that football, boy, his eyes got that big and he just wrapped onto my leg. And it was like, wow, he wanted that football. So don't think, well, it's just a ball. A lot of these kids don't have just a football. So I want to encourage you guys, whatever God lays on your heart, bring it to the church. We'll go through it to our, and put where it, where it needs to go on our list. And then we'll go and have our toy drive in a couple weeks. I mean, toy run in a couple weeks. Question. 
Yes. Yes, sir. Can you borrow my motorcycle? How much insurance you got? <laughs> yes, sir, Barry. And the neat thing with riding the motorcycles, too, some of the roads are dead end, and when you come back out, they've heard all those motorcycles go one way. you got kids all lining the fence on the way back, and we're able to hand out candy canes, and sometimes it takes a while to get off one road or another just because there's so many kids at the road waiting to see Santa Claus in a dune buggy or on a motorcycle or something like that. Um, so, but it is an opportunity, and it gives us an opportunity to share with them that these gifts are from Jesus, you know, that that God loves you, and that the whole reason why we celebrate Christmas is not for the toys, but for Jesus Christ that, that came and gave us the greatest gift, which was salvation. Amen. Amen. So I encourage you to come and be a part of that. I'm going to ask Sherry Kay, speaking of that, if she wants to come on up and share with us. of giving um, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I got a big mouth. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Um, just one weekend. We started last weekend we collecting, and we are already almost halfway to our goal at 700. So thank you and praise the Lord. I think we're just going to blow this out and maybe even double our goal this year. So thank you all. Remember, Lottie Moon is what we, the monies we put together through the cooperative program, and all of it goes to our international missionaries, and that's where, where that giving is. Ms. Taggart. Good morning. Good morning. I just want to remind everyone that our Christmas party is next Sunday at 1.30 in the Fellowship Hall. And if you have not signed up to bring a dish, the sign-up sheet is on the table right when you walk in. But I will be picking that up today because I will be making phone calls to remind people this week what they're supposed to be bringing. There are, there are also reminder slips. If you happen to forget between now and Sunday what you signed up for, you can do that. Also, at the party, it's going to be a great time to bring back your baby bottles full of change for the pregnancy center in Seguin. If you have any questions, just see me afterwards. And my phone number is out in the desk. Thank you. Thank you, okay, well, that's enough announcements this morning. I'm going to ask Stormy, where is Stormy? There he is, Stormy, to come on up. <laughs> Father God, I do lift up my brother to you right now as you've come and to give him a word to share with us. May you just bless his obedience, his willingness to do so, and may we hear what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank hey. you. Thank you, brother. You know, no matter, we try to hide it, but when you walk up on a platform and look out on the crowd, it's kind of unnerving, but it's always a lot better when I look out on such sweet and smiling people. Most of you know, Brother Stormy worked for years for the Department of Justice. And occasionally I would have to go into various prisons and address the inmates. 
and they aren't as pretty as you guys are. <laughs> they, uh, most of them are about the size or bigger than Brother Neil back there in the corner. They're a lot uglier than him. <laughs> they work out all the time. They got biceps like basketballs. And that's just the women's prison. <laughs> you don't want to know what the men look like. It's scary. But uh, one of the things that led me toward the Department of Justice is I love a good mystery. I've read every Nero Wolf uh, novel that Rex Dowd ever wrote. I like uh, not only fictional mysteries, but I like the real mysteries. You know, who, who did build Stonehenge? What actually happened to Amelia Earhart? Where does that other sock go in the dryer? One of the mysteries is, uh, why did God line up so many great scriptures at the third chapter and the 16th verse? We're going to be reading today out of 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16. And I'm going to be reading out of the King James Version. I understand some people can't afford a real Bible. You read whatever <laughs> version you have to have. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up unto glory. Wow. If you were putting together sermons, you could easily preach a five-night revival using that one scripture and never make the same point twice. As a scripture reading, it is sort of peace out, drop the mic, walk away. Well, of course, I always like to give you a to-go box, something for you to snack on later. So I'll think about the fact that everybody worships a God. If you don't worship the God that created you, you will create your own God. And just like God created man in his own image, when man creates God, he creates a God in his own image. So the little snack for you to eat on later, uh, do I know that I am a God-made man or do I worship a man-made God? Because it's one or the other. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your mysteries. Thank you for your revelations. Father, help us to walk through your mysteries with faith and to stand on your revelations with boldness and courage. And in all that we do, glorify you and your son, Jesus Christ, in whose mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. share with you a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 4 there is one body one spirit just as you were called to one hope at your calling one Lord one faith one baptism one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all 
In Galatians chapter 3.27, it says, For all of you who are baptized into have clothed, for all of those who have been baptized, you have clothed yourself with Jesus Christ. Folks, the great thing here this morning, and we were talking about this in Sunday school as well, when we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we, our God, we become a family. Amen? Neither slave nor, nor, nor free, male or female, Jew or Greek. Doesn't matter what your background was when you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we become one family. And he says, that the change I've made into your heart, now go ye therefore and profess that before men. That's the purpose of baptism, guys. This water does not save anyone. I mean, it does good to have the little rubber duckies floating in it, but that doesn't do it. Salvation comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. But this water is given an opportunity for each one of us who have been through this to profess to those out there, to the rest of the family, that I have chosen Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And Jesus said, who, I, who professes me before men, so shall I profess before the Father. Amen? So Easton is coming this morning. Come on in, son. Easton's coming this morning. And this young man, I, I, I'm very, when it's children, I always am real particular because I don't want to cause confusion later. And I always talk to them, and I will say very proudly, as a matter of fact, this young man looked me in the eyes very much so and said not only was Jesus Christ his Lord and Savior, but he understood that this baptism was a proclamation to you guys of a decision that he has made. I am very confident in what this young man has shared with me. But I'm going to ask him now so that he can share with you guys. So, Easton, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I can hear you. Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and cross your arms. By the proclamation that Easton has just made, if you didn't hear him, he said, yes, sir. Hallelujah. So by the proclamation you have made, Easton, I'm, I'm now going to baptize you, my brother. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Down with the old and up with the new. pray for Easton right now? Would you say a prayer for us? Bring people into him that uh, can teach him along the way and share their knowledge of you, Lord. And uh, just pray that you give him the, uh, the knowledge and wisdom and uh, the peace in you, Lord, that goes without comprehension. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, here we are in December, and uh, well, that means Christmas songs. So let's stand together, and we're going to sing a Christmas song together. This is a little town of Bethlehem. Still we see thee 
should join us for caroling in a couple weeks. That's a good question. Does anybody know when caroling is? TBD. But soon we will get on a hayride and ride around this neighborhood and go caroling singing songs just like this. So join us. Probably not. (laughs) 
But anyway, as we continue to worship this morning, uh, you guys just take a comfortable position. Uh, and it's good to have Brittany here this morning. And she's going she's gonna to start us off with, with one of our favorites uh, to worship to. This is Sit Enthroned. Son of God, you are the perfect one. You came to give your life away. My sin you have erased with your precious blood. You showed your unfailing love and I will never be the same. Forever I am changed, Jesus. Sit enthroned upon my heart with everything you are. Come live your life in me, reign supremely. I'm not just giving you my sin, but everything within. Come take control and make me Everything you are 
Sing it with us. Death cannot hold us. Death could not hold you. The mountain before you. The silence took all the sin and rain. The heavens are right. The praise of your glory. For you are beautiful name it is amen Amen. hallelujah and we can we can bless through that name thank you brother if you have your bibles this morning turn to the book of james james chapter three now you may think well this is christmas season we're going to have christmas sermons well this applies christmas and every other time of the year as well However, it's what I felt as though the Lord was laying on my heart to speak to you this morning. I believe all of us have probably, or at least most of us, have heard of Paul Harvey. (laughs) That's right. And the rest of the story. I want to share a story with you that that I heard this week from Paul Harvey. And at first I thought, that is just over the top. But then I thought how prevalent it is and how something like this could happen even today. Now, I went and researched the story, and it's not quite as um, the way it happened exactly, but it's pretty, there's, there's some things here that I want to make sure we understand, but I want to hear this story. When Paul Harvey was speaking to it, he, he shared the story how in 1899, four newspaper reporters set out to tear down the Great Wall of China, and as they went to do so, they almost succeeded, literally. 
These four reporters, by chance, met each other at a, a railroad station in Denver. Their names was Al Stevens, Jack Turney, John Lewis, and Hal Wilshire. And what had happened was there was no news for the day. And, each one, and they represented the four corresponding newspapers, if you will, of Denver. These were the four main newspapers being represented, and they had no front-page story. So it was the Post, the Times, the Republican, and the Rocky Mountain Gazette. And so the, the editors sent these men out and said, you have to go find a story to put on the front page tomorrow. So each one of them respectively went and tried to find a story. Well, they all came together at a railway station hoping that some dignitary might come in, hoping some movie star might come in, hoping someone that they could snag and get a story for the front page. Well, no one arrived. No one of any, any importance to them anyway by train or otherwise. And the reporters started commiserating about that. They were like, what are we going to do? No news was bad news for them. And they were sitting there trying to figure out what were they going to do. There was no story. There's nothing that we can go back to the editors with. We're going to go back empty-handed. And so Al, he decided and declared, you know, I'm just going to make up a story and hand it in. And the other three guys, they laugh about it. And one of them suggests, hey, let's walk over to the, to the Oxford over there and let, let's get a drink. Let's sit down and commiserate together. Let's talk together. Let's figure out what we're going to do. Well, as they were sitting there having a drink, Jack said, you know, Al, I kind of like your idea. I think I'm going to go back and make up a story also. Well, you know, we'll just, we'll just make up these stories. And, and John says, well, I think you're thinking too small. Four half-baked fakes aren't going to cut it. So Al says, you know what? What we need is one real whopper of a story. Something that we all four can go in on. Well, then they have another round of beers and they start talking, they say a phony domestic story is going to be too easy to check out. So what do, what do we do? And they're just steadily talking and talking. And they start discussing foreign angles. And they start discussing how we can do this and, and how it would be difficult to verify. And this is where you would hear Paul Harvey come in and say, now the rest of the story. They're sitting there and they come together and, and one of them says, you know, I think we ought to write about China. That's far enough away and... And, and there's really no way to, to, to verify it. And he's getting real dramatic in this light. And, you know, the, the more they drink in this bar, the more the story is sounding good. And they, they said, you know, what we'll do, we can say that four engineers stopped over in Denver on their way to China to go tear down the Berlin, uh, excuse me, the Great China Wall. And, and they looked at him and said, well, why would they do that? Well, we'll just say that the Chinese government is, you know, they're, they're trying to make inroads. They're, they're, wanting to get, they're wanting to quit being so introspective. And they want to go out and they want to have world freedom. They want to have free trade. We're just going to go and, and, and we're going to go over there and we're going to tear down that ancient boundary to, inter, to symbolize international goodwill. And they kind of laugh about it a little bit. But the more they drink and the more they talk about it and the more they think about it, they say, okay, at 11 o'clock that evening, all four reporters had worked out the details of this story. So they then leave the bar. They walk over to, to, to the hotel that was in, in the area, the Windsor Hotel, and they go over and they, they sign four different names, and they tell the lady behind the bar, if anybody, I mean behind the counter, if anybody asks, four engineers came in here, we, we interviewed them, and they left the next morning. So nobody can really talk to these engineers. They're already gone. 
And they go and they print their, they take their stories back and these, these, these guys go in and say, yeah, these four New York in, engineers came in and man, they're going over to China. They're going to tear down, the, they're, they're demolition experts. They're going to go and break down and quote, uh, breaking down the Great Wall of China. Well, all the papers run it. In fact, the Times puts on the very front page in huge letters, Great Chinese Wall, doomed. All four papers report about how the, the Great China Wall, the wall that's been there forever, is being torn down all in the line of, of free trade. Now, this was a ludicrous fabrication concocted by these four capricious newsmen that were just trying to get their necks out of hot water. They totally made this up. But their story, because it went out on all four major papers in Denver, got picked up on the East Coast. Now it's going over papers all over the United States. Well, then it gets overseas. And China finds out that the Americans are sending over demolition experts to tear down their wall. And they're not real happy about this. They're not, in fact, they're very upset about this. Well, then there's a a group of people, a very secret sect of Chinese folks, a very volatile group of Chinese patriots who really took to heart. They already did not like all the foreign intervention in their country. And they rose up and they rampaged against all the foreign embassies in China, in Peking. They slaughtered hundreds of missionaries. And before you know it, in two months' time, 12,000 troops from six different countries joined together to go into China to protect their people that were living in China. Slaughter, mayhem, all kinds of stuff took place. And you can look it up today. It's called the Boxer Rebellion. And the Boxer Rebellion... Here you have these four guys in Denver making up a story. Now, I will say, once you research it, it was going to explode over there anyway. These people already were looking for a tipping point to cause this devastation. But look how their mouths, sitting there talking around the the bar one night, fabricating stories, kept on talking their mouths, put it into action. And once they put it into action, how many other people... The ramifications of that stuff fell out. And how many people got slaughtered and killed? How much did they have to invest in that story as they kept talking? Our mouths, if not used properly, can cause devastation. Our mouths have a lot of power. And I don't think we realize just how much at times. If we was to stop and think about examples in our own life, we don't have to go to something as big as the Boxer Rebellion. I have a feeling if we really thought about it, we could come up with examples and agree that how amazing what can be done with the tongue, building up someone or tearing down somebody. Our mouths have a whole lot of power. We're going into a season right now where we're going to be meeting and interacting with more people than we probably normally would throughout the rest of the year. And I would suggest to you to recognize now how powerful our mouths can be in the situations we find ourselves in. James understood this when he spoke of the tongue. He was talking about the power of our mouth. He says, be careful not to sin through our impure speech. Be careful of what we're doing. In fact, he already dealt with this once back in chapter 1, verse 19 and verse 26. He's talking to us about how our mouths can get us in trouble. How our mouths can run away with us. How our mouths will do things to tear people down. Tear and destroy. 
In fact, James goes on to believe that genuine faith, listen to me now, you're here in here this morning and you've used the excuse that, well, I can't help it. That's just the way things happen. That's just the way I speak. I can't change the way I speak. I can't change the words I voice. I can't quit grumbling with my mouth. I can't quit speaking boastfulness. I can't can't quit speaking these things that I know to be wrong. I can't quit speaking these things that I know I shouldn't be speaking. Folks, James believed that genuine faith, it makes it possible for an individual to control his tongue, not because he can do it, but because God who lives within him who can do it. If we are using the excuse, well, I just can't help it, praise God, finish the sentence. I can't help it, but my God can, therefore I will trust God to open my mouth and keep it shut when he chooses not to use it. It comes down to where is our faith? That tongue, that mouth, it is a powerful weapon, or it can be a powerful tool of good. He covers, James covers in pretty good depth, some of the things that, that the, the examples of just how powerful our tongue is. But bottom line, in simple layman's terms, he's saying that really we just don't think before we speak. In other words, Paul tells us that we are to take every thought captive in Christ. If we would start thinking, and, and guys understand, I'm, just, I'm right there with you. Lord knows I've put my foot in my mouth more than once. More than once. In fact, I was just wearing my shirt yesterday that Gracie made me where it says, Jesus is my bro. You know, I'll never, I'll never live that one down. Our mouth gets us in trouble sometimes. But it's primarily because we don't think before we speak. If we haven't put our faith in Christ and we speak, we think and we pray before we speak. If we go, Lord, what would you have me to say here? Maybe things would change. There's the old saying that the eyes are the window to the soul. That does not make your mouth the doorway to your brain. So many times we get caught up because we don't engage our brain before we engage our mouths. Or maybe we engaged our brain, but we didn't seek out God's direction, so we allow our mouths to start coming up with these fabrications like these newsmen did. Or we allow our mouths to tear down rather than build up. Well, you don't understand, Pastor, what that person did to me. Well, I do understand that Paul said in the book of Ephesians, it's not a battle between flesh and blood, but between the principalities of good and evil. Therefore, I should stop and remember, even if this person has done something to me, on a spiritual level, I'm not to hurt them back. I'm to say, Lord, what would you have me to say back into this situation? To battle not the person, but the spiritual entity that maybe voiced something through that individual. We get hurt. There are pains in this world. There are times when we don't know what to do. There are times that that it would be so easy to speak something that's not very godly. But that's not what God's called us to do. He understands it's hard to do. And that's what we're going to see in a moment in in our scriptures. And he tells us just how powerful our tongue is. But folks, let me share with you this morning that my God, whom we serve, is not only capable, he is able to tame our tongues. We may not be able to, but God is. God is. Look in in James chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now, or excuse me, not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we will all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is able to control his whole body. Now, what is this saying? Some of your books, your your translations say masters there instead of teachers. The word that he's really trying to present here is that there is a great responsibility that's placed on those 
who are going to show and speak to others how to do something. So in other words, we are all teachers at some point. We are all masters at some point because we are going to train up somebody else, either by our words or by our actions. There are people who are going to be watching how we speak and what we say and what we do. We are all teachers at some point, and it's not an office to be taken lightly. When God gives us the opportunity, he said, go ye therefore and make disciples. In other words, we're to live a Christian lifestyle and walk in such a fashion that others are going to grow by seeing our relationship with Christ. When we have been mature enough to be put in that position, we should realize that God is requiring us to stand tall. He is requiring us to take control of our mouths. You can say, I go to church and I mow the yard and I do this and I do that and I give to the poor and I give to the needy. I cook in the kitchen. You can lay off all these things of good, but if you get out there and and try to use that to negate the fact that you won't watch your mouth, I guarantee you from what James says, God's going to come back and say, that is not a mature faith. Mature faith is not how much things you do, it's doing what God's called you to do. And the first thing you have to learn is let him take control of your mouth. Actually, the first thing is accept him as your Lord and Savior. But once he moves within, give your mouth over to him. When you feel like the anger is just going to explode or you're getting angry or you're getting caustic and ugly with others, it's time to stop and say, is that how Jesus would speak? Because I have been called to be a teacher in this situation. And I'm not teaching Christ if I'm acting like the devil. Because you see, the words that come out of our mouth, the things that we say and the way that we say them are either of the Lord or they are not. And if they are not of the Lord, then who are they from? We don't like to hear that because we all say silly things. Some of us say it more than others. Others of us just allow our mouths to run and then make excuses for our mouths. James says that's not the way it is. You want mature faith? It's the man who can watch his mouth. It's the woman, the man, the woman, whomever. It's the one who captures every thought and lets God take that mouth. God is looking for those people to be the teacher. That's why he lays this out here. Yes, they're going to be called to be accountable. When we present ourselves as a Christian, when we go out and tell others that I know Christ, I am a Christian, you know what you've done? You've put yourself in that position of teacher and master because people are going to look to you. You are a Christian. Let's see how you act. Well, that's not fair, Pastor. I'm just a normal human being. I don't care about fair. It wasn't fair that Christ hung on the tree for me, but he chose to do it anyway to carry out the plan of God the Father. He has called you and I to carry out a plan that may not seem fair, that the world is going to be against us, but he said, be of good cheer for I have victory over the world. Do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it say it the way I tell you to say it when I tell you to say it and we will be tight we will be one with another our relationship will be what it's supposed to be you will be maturing in Christ because I will have control of your mouth now you may be saying oh I can watch my own mouth listen to verse three now when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us we also guide the whole animal it considers ships, though very, very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by this very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a large a forest a small fire ignites. Now let's stop there for just a second. Think about this. The tongue is small. But it deals and it exerts an incredibly great deal of 
of, of magnitude to what you are. It changes. It means it's a, a controlled tongue can be a positive power. You can be used to glorify Christ. You can be used to glorify and, and lift his name. You can be used to edify the church and your brothers and sisters. A, a controlled mouth is an incredible asset for God. Like a rudder, it's just a small thing, but it can steer that ship wherever it wants to go. But when that rudder gets broken, what happens to that ship? It goes wherever the wind wants it to go. When we do not control our mouths, when we got control, we can go right where God tells us to go. But when we allow the winds of this world, the principalities of this world to guide our mouth, it is not going to where you want to go. And pretty soon you're going to crash on the rocks. And usually when you crash a ship, it's not just you on there. You take others with you. When we, when we do not allow God to control that rudder, it is small, but it can boost the entire effect of your whole life, just like a spark can start a flame. And a flame can consume an entire forest. That's where our tongue is, guys. Our tongue is, is an instrument that has incredible power. It can be harnessed and utilized by God, or it can be allowed to be destructive. It is our choice. You can no longer say, well, I can't help it. Or actually, you can say that. But if you finish since with, I can't help it, but my God can, then maybe you can reel that tongue in. But if you just let the winds of this world blow on that tongue, if you just allow the world to tell you, oh, it's okay to be mean. It's okay to be ugly. It's okay to gossip. It's okay to lie, cheat, and steal. It's okay to do all these things because I can't help it. That's not mature Christianity. The power that can, can be used to move a massive ship or to, to tame a young stallion, that, that power resides right here. And God says, I need to control it. You want to be a mature Christian? You want to be the one who represents Christ, especially in this Christmas season? Then give your mouths over to me and let me grow you up. It isn't about how much you've read the Bible. It's not how many calendars you have and you read your one verse a day. It's not about how many times you've, you've gone out and maybe even taught a Sunday school class. How you act on a daily basis and interact with the world, that decides whether you have maturity or not. And the world is watching. There are those who are on TV behind pulpits and are preaching that I just look at them and say, Oh Lord, please forgive them for they know not what they do. Because what's coming out of their mouth is not what God put forth right here. We have been called to go ye therefore and make disciples. We need to remember that our tongues is a small spark that can start a forest fire. If it's got that kind of power, if you go camping right now, what do you do? You make a nice ring and you make sure your fire is contained. You make sure it's safe so that you have a fire that's beneficial. If you just start a fire in the middle of a leaf file under a whole bunch of trees... You're pretty much consumed pretty quickly. And how much forest in other people as well. If we will take care with that fire to keep us warm, how much more should we take care with our mouths that can affect the entire world? Those four capricious newsmen that day thought, oh, I got it all figured out. And how many lost their lives? Folks, in James 6 here, it says, And a tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. Think about that for just a minute. 
few sins are committed without the tongue. How many times, although it wasn't on your mind before, once you started talking about it, all of a sudden you got this sin on your mind. If somebody brings it up and you start talking and interacting, you start dwelling on it. If it started with your mouth, hmm, now Satan blew across that tongue, got things going. Now you start to dwell on that sin. Then it starts to eat at you. And because you were talking about it and it started to dwell on you, you started to, to really just sit there and let it eat at you, the mind, which controls the tongue, corrupts the person. When we allow our tongues to be influenced by the, by the flames of hell, when we allow Satan to work on our mouths, it's going to influence the rest of what we are. Now, this may hurt just a little bit this morning, but I pray that you'll listen to me right now. A corrupt tongue has its origin in the devil's lair, guys. If Satan can tear you down, if he wants to tear you down, he knows the way to get you to do something is to get you to talk about it. If he can get you to start mentioning something that you know you're not supposed to do, if he can get you to start talking about it, your mind is going to start dwelling on it. And once your mind starts dwelling on it, you start thinking about it more and more and it starts to eat at you. And pretty soon you do something that you knew you wasn't supposed to do and it started out because you were having a conversation about it. Satan, you allowed Satan to turn the rudder or pull the bridle rather than letting God. And if, you, if he can get in there and get your mind turned right there, he's got you. We think of all the animals that we have tamed. Some huge animals. Have you ever stood beside a Clydesdale? That is an incredibly beautiful and large animal. They've tamed elephants to do whatever they would like them to do. We have tamed all these animals, but yet James tells us we can't tame our tongue. And it's for that reason, guys, that we need to take our mouths and put them in the hands of God. No man can tame the tongue without God's help. When you start saying, I can't, praise God, you can't, but my God can. And folks, we need to recognize that our mouths is full of deadly poison. I think that's where we get into a, a rift sometimes, is we just don't realize how much devastation that we can cause with our mouths. How many hearts we can break, how many people we can destroy, or how many characters we can tear down. How many rumors we can start. Well, it's just a little rumor. Yeah, when you started it, but it turned into a raging fire. And now you've split families apart, and you've broken churches down, and you've taken down the cause of Christ. Well, I just said this because it's the way I feel. Well, you can express the way you feel in a whole lot better godly way when you just choose to do it the way you want to do it rather than the way God wants to do it. A fire can start, and it destroys people people we're going into a season in a time of year we see the memes we see the jokes about how people are fighting over this gift or that gift or like the black friday things they all came out or black yeah, black friday i don't go to them i don't care but the, the, we see all that stuff why do people act that way because they chose to act on their own rather than let god act through them our mouths are like a serpent coiled to strike. It, the tongue's inconsistency proves that. It, it, it says here, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness placed amongst the parts of the body. It pollutes the whole body. Our tongue is a vicious thing. And James goes on to tell us that it can both praise God and it can also grumble and criticize. 
Our tongue is perverse. It can go either direction. And it's for that reason you don't know how to tame it. You must turn it over to God. There's a story. There's a large family. And every morning when they come to breakfast, the, the dad comes to the table and he sits down at the table as is customary and he, he says the blessing, thanking God for their food. And he, he says his prayer. He thanks God for the food and everything's going well. After he says his prayer, then immediately, as it was his habit, he started beginning to grumble about the hard times. Started grumbling about the poor quality of the food he had to eat. Started grumbling about how it was cooked. Started grumbling about this. Well, so-and-so down the street should have done this. When started grumbling about this and grumbling about that. Well, one day, as he was in the midst of all his grumbling, his little daughter looked at him and said, Daddy, do you suppose God heard you a while ago when you prayed? Certainly, he said, you know, with, with, a, with, a, with an air of confidence like a good instructor, of course God heard me. Well, Daddy, did he hear what you said about the bacon and the coffee and the neighbor and all the other stuff? And he says, well, not quite as confidently. Sure, honey, he would have he heard that too. Well, Dad, I'm just wondering, which does God believe, that you're thankful or that you're not? Think about that for just a minute. We'll say all the prayers and we'll say all the right things when we're gathered in here on Sunday. Thank you, God, for an incredible worship music. Thank you for allowing us to sing. Thank you for allowing me to be with my brothers and sisters in the church. And then come tomorrow, God, you need to do this. You need that. And that guy over there, he's doing this. And that lady in the church, did you see what she was wearing? And Lord, that guy over there, he parked in my parking spot. And the Lord, help that guy that sat in my seat, Lord Jesus. And we'll start criticizing. Did you taste the breakfast over there? I think they put too much salt. I can't believe they put too much salt in my food. What's the matter with those people? And God starts listening and he's saying, you were just praising me. And everybody saw you praise me and you were doing well. But now everybody sees you just whine and cry and complain and bitter and ugly and mean and hateful. Which is God, the people going to believe? Well, since we know there's a spiritual battle going on of good and evil, most people that don't know Christ are going to side over here and say, he's a Christian, he only prays on Sunday. The rest of the week is who he really is. And you may say, no, this is who I am. But they're going to say, no, this is who you are. And it all came because we didn't allow God to tame our mouths. Folks, if we really want to represent Christ into the world, we need to recognize that cursing and blessing comes from the same mouth oftentimes. It's like, it's like trying to get salt water and fresh water out of the same well. They don't jive together. It's like picking lemons off a fig tree, pecans off a walnut tree. It doesn't work. You're one or the other and your mouth is going to show the world who you are you just because you come to church and you do everything great on sunday but then you go out and you treat everybody like a like 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 the devil the rest of the week the world is going to say i see who your real god is and it's not the god i choose to put my faith in if you say that's jesus i don't want any part of him well, pastor, you're, you're blowing this out of perspective. I'm just one voice out here. Your one voice can be the spark that starts a wildfire that an entire family will say, I'm not going to go to that church. I don't want to know that God. I, if that man's going to or that woman's going to speak to me in this fashion, if they're going to start gossiping about me like this, if they're going to continually go out and deride and, just, and, and gripe and be ugly and bitter, why would I want your God? And all of a sudden, a whole family leaves the church and God's saying, they were almost where I wanted them to be. They were about to accept who I am. And your mouth started a fire. I don't want to be the one to stand before the Lord one day 
and say, you know, you see this family over here? You said that one, you had that one outburst, but that one outburst drove that entire family away. Ouch. You know, in 1995, you may remember the story, a squirrel shorted out on the power lines up in New York City on the Metro North Railroad. It caused such a surge that one of the brackets in one of the railways laid a wire fall. Now, you probably know where I'm going with this, but a train comes through, doesn't see the wire, hooks that wire, snatches it down, rips out all kinds of wiring out of the, te- out of the ceiling at that point, and it said 47,000 commuters were stuck in, a, in, a, in, in Manhattan subways for many hours. Why? Because a squirrel stepped on a power line wrong. Folks, I would submit to you this morning that our mouths, when used improperly, our mouths, when we try to utilize them the way we want rather than the way that God wants, destroys thousands around us. James 3 through 6 here, he's teaching us even something as small as our tongue can cause a whole lot of damage. He's given us all these warnings. And, and he says our tongue exerts an incredible perversity if unleashed that our tongues Satan will use the one of the greatest weapons listen to me now we like to think of the devil we think of Hollywood he he sends these demons he sends these great swords he's he sends these angels down to do all his devastation and destruction but folks I would submit to you this morning that one of his greatest weapons are those who are within the church that have not controlled their mouths One of his greatest weapons that he uses in the world are those who go out and wear the Christian fish on their t-shirt and speak like the devil. The ones who put the bumper stickers on their car and flip people off as they drive by. Can I say that from the pulpit? I guess I just did. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about anyway. So often... We, don't, we do not allow ourselves to control our mouths. We make this profession and we say these things and then we go out and act like the world. Folks, if we haven't allowed God to come in and control our tongues, if we choose not to, to praise and witness and encourage others and edify one another, if we choose not to do those things, especially this time of the year, then I would submit to you that remember that silence is golden. Just keep your mouth shut. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all sometimes. Now, that doesn't mean that we, can't, that we are not to, to rebuke. The Bible says that it's there to give reproof. But there is a way to do so, and there's a way not to do so. When we come across caustically, that's not what Christ would have us to do. If we're going to go out and present ourselves as Christians... That means to act like Christians all the time, guys, to the best of our abilities. If we choose not to control our tongue, the devil will. This season, this Christmas season, you're going to be out there this holiday season season shopping amongst a whole lot of people you don't normally see. You're going to be trying to get parking places in places you don't normally go. Will you control your tongue? Especially when that guy whips that little car right in front of your truck. Or these people that don't, don't even think about looking for a motorcycle. They just say, nope, I'm bigger. Or maybe you're going to see that person that, that all year, that relative that you dread to see every year. Are you going to control your tongue? 
Well, they're going to want to talk politics or they're going to want to talk theology and they're going to get this and they're going to get like that. Well, you control your tongue. You can't be responsible for them, but you sure can be responsible for you. Well, pastor, I can't control it. Good, give it over to the Lord. Well, I don't think he can either. Then keep your mouth quiet. Keep shoving food in it if you have to. I'd rather you have a full belly and miserable than to start a fire you can't put out. Guys, the message I'm trying to share with you this morning, we're going to get together, we're going to eat lots of food, we're going to have a great time over the Christmas holidays and stuff, but it's all for naught if we choose not to watch our tongue. At this Christmas season, I guarantee you there are those out there, there are those that Satan's got amongst us who wants and is looking how to pick a fight with those who want to start to, to present Christ in Christmas. They are looking to trip you up. They are looking to make you tarnish and take down the example that God has set for you. And guys, you can either step into that trap and let your mouth go forward, or you can stop and say, you know what, I don't understand what you're doing here, but my God still loves you. If you don't want to believe that Christmas is about Christ and the birth of our Savior, hallelujah, that's up to you. But let me share with you that to me, he is that person, and I will pray for you. And walk away. Trust the Lord to give you the word. Say, you do not need to get angry and ugly and volatile to position yourself where God has called you to position yourself. You can make a stand and be what God has called you to be. And guys, let me tell you that my God is more capable and more able than the most vicious persona that you can ever put on. He is more capable and more able to change the lives of others without us having to start any kind of gossip session or rumor mongering. This season, you possibly are going to get gifts from people. And you're going to be able to sit back and look at those gifts. And you can choose right then whether you're going to glorify God and the greatest gift that was ever given to man or you're going to choose just to focus on the gifts. I pray this week, this, this lifetime, that we will understand. And guys, please know that I, I'm preaching to myself this morning as well. I think I've come a long ways with my mouth. But my mouth is still the most unruly part of my body. It is the part that I can't bring into t- the, to line sometimes. And that's why when I get really upset now, I try to either shut my mouth and just, just not say anything or speak real slowly so that I'm saying, Lord, give me the words to say. Because I don't want to start a fire. And you may have people in your life, they want to just not like stab you, but just twist the knife just a little bit so you just want to react. Don't let it do it. If you feel that knife start to twist, acquiesce. Say, Lord, this is your fight, not mine. Now, am I telling you roll over and play dead? Absolutely not. But I'm telling you to handle the situation the way God would have you to handle it. Watch your mouths. Watch how you speak. Watch how you interact. That tongue is a small little part of your body, but it will dictate flames of, in, 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 of, 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 of re- edification for the people, or it can be flames of destruction for the people. It's a matter of whether you let God run your mouth, or you and the devil to run your mouth. Well, pastor, how can you get up there and talk about running your mouth? That's just an ugly thing to get up and talk about. It's because it is an ugly thing, so let God do it. 
this morning, the way to control your mouth is to give it to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's first and foremost. I can't expect you to control the rudder because it's bigger than what you can do. But he who lives within, for Jesus said that if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, he will come into your heart and he will sup with you. He will fellowship with you. He said that he must go so he can send forth the helper, the comforter. You know what he helps with us? To tame our mouths. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you will understand it's more than just saying it with your mouth. You have to mean it with your heart that I am a sinner in need of God's grace. For I can never work my way into heaven. But through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through the blood that was spilt on the cross of Calvary, I can partake of that blood. And he said, whomsoever believes he is the Son of God, and they rose again on the third day, defeating death down the grave, so shall he be saved. And once that salvation comes in, your first prayer might be, your only prayer might be after that, Lord, help me with my mouth. Lord, help me with my mouth. Help me clean up my speech. Help me to not show anger with my mouth. Help me to edify more than take down. Help me to speak words of encouragement than discouragement. It's taken me years to get to where I'm at, and i still got a long ways to go. But I can say from personal testimony, he took a mouth that would, whose vocabulary wasn't much more than four letters and now allows me to speak his word from behind the pulpit, not because of who I am, but because of who he is. And he can do the same with you. If you're here this morning and you say, yeah, that's my mouth, give it to God. I can't do it. I'll pray with you and for you, but God's the only one who can tame the tongue of man. But he'll do it if you ask him to. Now, some people, he can just flip a switch and then, hey, look, God moved into my mouth. But very rarely is that the person. Usually it's God training our mouths and our mind to come in line with him because it's been in line with the world for so long. It's hard to break habits. But the more we try and the more we let God do it, the more he'll mold and bend it over to where he wants it to be. So the decision with our mouths this morning isn't I can't help it or not. The decision is do I choose to let it go to God or not? Do I choose Christ or do I choose the world? As in everything else, it comes down to choice. It's a hard choice. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's still choice. Whom do you choose to serve with your mouth? If every time we open our mouth we thought that, I'm fixing to say or do something, if I thought, who am I choosing to serve right now, me or God? It might just change the way we interact with people. But only you can make that decision, guys. Only you can choose life or death, edification or destruction. There's a fire burning in your mouth. Do you want to go up or do you want to burn down? That's the honest truth. And the truth is yours to walk away with. Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer this morning. If God is speaking to you and you need to accept him, I pray just like Lil Easton did that you'll accept Christ and you'll come down and profess that before others.
Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and you do know Christ as your Lord and Savior and you realize that that mouth is what gets you in trouble, my mouth is still the number one thing that gets me in trouble. But if you will acquiesce that mouth over to God and say, Father, forgive me. Show me how to control it. Help me make decisions and choices where when people see me, they don't see the world. They see the grace and the mercy of a loving God. That doesn't mean he's not a righteous God. He still judges the unrighteous. But let him do the judgment rather than your words do the judgment. As we pray, Father God, as we come before you right now, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will touch the hearts of your people. There are those here today, Lord God, that they may even feel the, the heat right now upon their mouths as they know that you're speaking to them today. God, may you watch our mouths. Help us not to complain, but to give thanks. Help us not speak ill, but speak joy. Help us to make decisions not to dwell on the bad, but to dwell on the good. So that when we speak, we won't speak of the bad, we'll speak of the good. Help us to focus and see our conversations in the world the way you would have us to see the conversations in the world. Help us to see other people the way you see other people. Father, I think that if we would choose to use our mouths for blessing rather than cursing, little by little you make it easier. So God, I pray that this morning for every one of us in this room young or old, first time in church or been here for many years, may all of us, Lord God, lay our tongues, our mouths at your feet, at your altar. Father, when Elijah stood before you, he said, I am a man of unclean lips. And you sent the seraphim, the angel from the throne with that coal to purge his mouth of the ugliness. And he went on to be the man you called him to be, the prophet that you sent. God, I pray this morning that we will call out to you and say that we are a people of unclean lips. Send forth your coal to purge our mouths. And may we truly, each one of us, leave Sutherland Springs, whether we're going to Floresville, San Antonio, wherever we're dispersing to. May people see there's something different about you, about them. And when they ask, may we be able to say, what's different is I chose to give my heart and my mouth and my all to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, may your will be done with the hearts of your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this morning, if God's speaking to you, I pray that you'll come to this altar. You can pray right where you're at. But will you do whatever it is that God's calling you to do this morning? In Jesus' name. As the
desire and I long to worship you. I pray that if you sang it, you meant it. Because if God is your heart's desire and you choose to worship him, that's what's going to clean up your mouth and let you speak in a worshipful way with those you interact with. Amen? Amen. Now don't don't throw in the towel. If you go out and you do something dumb, your mouth overrides, stop and say, Father, forgive me. And little by little, the more he brings it to your awareness, that mouth will get better and better and better and better. And one day, you're going to stop and say, wow, I just realized I, I don't complain all the time like I used to. I don't point fingers at everybody like I used to. I don't gripe and, and hateful like I used to be. In fact, Lord, I realize now I'm talking joyously and I'm praising you. Because it's hard to praise the Lord and speak down to your brothers and sisters at the same time. And I'd much rather praise him than speak down to others. Amen? Amen? It's good seeing you this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. I pray that you can be back this evening, 6 o'clock tonight. The 
the steel magnolias. I wanted to say the rockets. I promise they're not coming. <laughs> the steel magnolias are coming tonight, and they're going to be singing and presenting to you. Everyone's welcome to come back. Come enjoy the show. If you wasn't able to see Charles Billings Thursday night, you missed out on an incredible concert. Uh, he, sa- he sang things I haven't heard him sing before, and we found out that he was an opera minor in college, and it showed. Yeah, so you missed out if you didn't get to see him. But come on out and see the Steel Magnolias this evening. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord for each one of you guys. Keep looking up in all that you say and all that you do. And guys, just focus on Christ. Focus on Christ and watch what he can do. Amen? Amen. Ian, will you close us in prayer this morning, brother? When you found me, I was so blind. My sin was before me, I was swallowed by pride. But out of the darkness, you brought me to your light. You showed me new mercy and opened up my eyes. Save my soul till the very moment when I come home. I sing, I dance, my heart will overflow. Come the day you save my soul. We're brilliant light. It's all around. Endless joy is the only sound. Oh, rest my heart forever now. Oh, when your arms always be found. From the day you saved my soul. Till the very moment when I come home I sing my debts, my heart will overflow From the day you saved my soul My love is yours